Welcome to Think Civic. I'm one of your hosts, Ajay Jane, alongside Evan DeBrew. The last time you heard from us was a few months ago when we released a special episode with Chris Kwong about the U.S. Digital Corps. Well, we're really excited to start off the new year strong with a new name and logo, a new Substack newsletter, and a new member of our team. First, let's talk about our new name and logo. You might have known us before as Civ Tech Talks when it was just me and Evan creating a Civic Tech podcast while we were in between jobs last year. Well, in light of dropping a new season, we thought through what we wanted to bring to our growing community of listeners. Think Civic felt like something that could really capture the types of interdisciplinary conversations that we wanted to have as this podcast evolves. More importantly, how can we help others figure out what it means to think civic in their line of work or communities? Second off, we have a new member of our team. We're also excited to announce that Chizo Wagu, another Coding It Forward alum, another health and human services alum just like me, and recent graduate of Carnegie Mellon's Heinz College will be joining our team. Honestly, being able to have Chizo on our team, speaking candidly, has just been absolutely remarkable. I feel like that in season one, Evan and I were doing a really great job of having this podcast, but she's really going to take us to the next level. And it's also helping us think civic in terms of a collaborative effort by all three of us working together, making this podcast so much better. And being able to create more content more frequently and of higher quality for you all. I'm just really excited to have her on the podcast. And finally, with Chizo's help, we're having a new Substack newsletter. We launched a new Substack newsletter to make sure you never miss an episode. Every podcast episode will be delivered with links for all streaming platforms, key takeaways and references mentioned, and the full transcript for folks that prefer to read up on our conversation. For this episode, we're speaking with Rachel Dodell. One of the co-founders of Coding It Forward, a nonprofit focused on building an early career pipeline for civic technologists in government. She touches on a ton of awesome stuff. The origin story of the Civic Digital Innovation Core programs. What's it like to be a part of the Coding It Forward community? And the future of this program and other efforts trying to help early career folks use their skills for public service. And honestly, having Rachel on has been truly awesome. It's how Evan and I met as Coding It Forward Civic Digital Fellows in 2020. It's how Chizo and Evan and I all got to know each other over the past couple months as we've come and created a new season of Think Civic. And honestly, how we got started in the civic tech and public interest tech communities. If it wasn't for Coding It Forward, candidly speaking, I don't know if we would be where we are today. Finally, don't forget to follow us on our new Twitter handle, at ThinkCivicPod, to join in on the conversation after this episode. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at thinkcivic.substack.com. Now, without further ado, here's our conversation with Rachel. All right, welcome to Think Civic, Rachel. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Um, so Rachel, just to start, we want to get Coding It Forward's origin story. So what was the motivation behind starting Coding It Forward? And what, was the, what is the mission of your organization? So Coding It Forward, we started in 2017, actually as a group of students that were interested in using our technology skills in a mission-oriented way. And when we started looking for summer internships, we were really frustrated by the opportunities that were available to us. 
it seemed like all the companies that came to campus were big tech or um, startups and weren't necessarily aligned with the type of work that we wanted to be doing. And when we looked online to find some sort of government internship or internship at a nonprofit organization, the opportunities were few and far between. It was things like installing Microsoft Word on computers or other sort of IT work, which is certainly super valuable to organizations, but it wasn't the type of work we were looking to do. So what we decided to do was kind of start a network of like-minded peers, folks that were looking to use their tech skills for social good. We started a Facebook group and a blog where we interviewed folks like myself, like this podcast, where we were asking them about their journeys and how they got started in civic tech. And then that sort of evolved when one of our mentors, Nick Sinai, who at the time was teaching a course at the Harvard Kennedy School about using technology and government, um, kind of connected us with a, another individual named Jeff Mizell. And at the time, Jeff was a presidential innovation fellow who worked at the U.S. Census Bureau as their chief marketing officer. And Jeff had been trying to recruit data science interns for a really long time and was really struggling to get folks involved at the Census Bureau. So we teamed up with Jeff. We said, hey, we think we know some students who would be willing to do this work and who would be super excited to intern with you for the summer, do you have opportunities available? And that was really the origin story of the first iteration of the Civic Digital Fellowship. We launched a really bare bones application in less than a month's time, received something like 200 applications, and ended up placing 14 students from 11 different universities at the census that summer. And based on the results of that summer, other agencies started to get wind of our work and were really excited about getting involved and also bringing early career talent into their agencies. And we really just started growing and growing from there. Awesome. Yeah, that is really, really exciting. And Rachel, I kind of wanted to expand on something that you had mentioned when people like you were applying for internship opportunities a couple of summers ago and, you know, big tech and Fang, they were doing all this recruiting and had all these amazing internship opportunities. But in government tech, it was pretty much just like installing software and a lot more kind of like solving like very minor, minute problems. From our understanding of Coding It Forward, you're trying to create a pipeline of early career civic technologists, designers, data scientists, software engineers, and product managers in government or government adjacent work. Can you give us a picture of what that pipeline looked like before Coding It Forward came along? Sure. So to be honest, there really were no opportunities. And that's not me trying to be overly dramatic or say there's no competitors to putting it forward. But frankly, there just were very few and far between. Um, if you were someone who wanted to find an entry level internship into government, it was a struggle. I, I would say it wasn't impossible, but it was somewhat close to it. And compared to the kind of recruiting activities that were happening on campus, you know, every other tech company coming to campus, handing out free swag, you know, really trying to woo you to, to come for the summer, I would say close to none were social impact related. So speaking of the fellowships, we know that Coding It Forward has two different fellowships, the Civic Digital Fellowship and the newly created Civic Innovation Corps. First question is, what is the difference between these two fellowships? The difference between the two fellowships primarily is that the Civic Digital Fellowship is dedicated to working with federal government agencies, whereas the Civic Innovation Corps is dedicated to working with local 
and state governments. Those are the primary differences at this moment because of COVID. Um, and we launched uh, the Civic Innovation Corps during the pandemic. But our goal after um, we're able to return safely in person would be to actually send Civic Innovation Corps members to their host offices across the United States. So folks would actually be working you know, in Miami, Florida, or San Jose, California, or Austin, Texas, or wherever else we may partner with in the future. Whereas all the Civic Digital Fellows are based in Washington, D.C., where a good number of federal agencies are based, and they would have more of a kind of national experience or national overview of the civic tech ecosystem, whereas our Civic Innovation Corps is focused on more localized and state work. So just to confirm, because I know this is something we wanted to ask you, that uh, the upcoming cohort will be virtual for the pan- for the next uh, summer? Yes, that's correct. It is looking like it is going to be entirely virtual. Our hope, fingers crossed, is that if things turn around by summer, we'll be able to at least invite folks out for about a week to meet each other in person and have that face-to-face experience that you can't really get over Zoom. But as of right now, the program is looking like it'll be entirely virtual again. Do we have any specific partners uh, lined up for this upcoming uh, cohort? Do, did we lose any? Did we gain any in terms of like local and federal agencies, our partners? So we're still in the process of finalizing, but what I'm able to share with you is that this upcoming summer for federal agencies, I know we have a lot of folks who are returning, which includes the Census, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health, General Services Administration, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, and some others. And then we also have on the local and state level, quite a few cities and states returning, which includes the city of Boston, the city of Los Angeles, city of San Jose, city of Miami. And then we're also looking at engaging with a few other new partners that we're not able to announce just yet, but that we're super excited about. Those are all really awesome partners. Um, I know that I was at CMS and Evan was at the IRS and I believe Chizo was at Health and Human Services and we all just gained so much amazing experience, networking opportunities and got to meet a whole wide array of wonderful people. So glad to see that the Coding It Forward family is expanding in terms of agencies and city partnerships. That's just absolutely exciting to me. Moving forward from partnerships to candidates and people applying, Rachel, how would you describe the ideal candidate for Coding It Forward Fellowship? I would say my answer is that there is no ideal candidate, which I know might be frustrating to folks listening, but I think as you and Evan can attest to and Elsa Chizo, really there's such a diverse array of individuals that go through our program and there's not really one sort of particular background we're looking for. I am excited to be able to share that we've been able to expand our eligibility criteria a little bit. Before we only accepted applications from US citizens who were studying in the United States at a accredited institution. And now we're actually able to work with folks who have work authorization in the United States through a program like CBT. And we're also able to accept folks from boot camp and certificate programs as well. So that's something I'm really excited about in regards to be able to expand kind of the diversity of applicants that are going through our program. In regards to backgrounds, we're open to all majors, all years of school. You do have to be graduating 
December 2021 or later. Unfortunately, we can't accept individuals who have graduated earlier than that because we are looking for folks to be recent graduates since the program starts in June of 2022. However, beyond that, again, we're open boot camp, certificate, undergraduate, community college, graduate students, wherever you might be in your early career, um, we're open to seeing your application. I would really say the main factors that we're looking for in applicants are motivation to serve. Why are you interested in public service? Do you have any kind of prior volunteer experience or interest in working with your community or uh, perhaps the federal government? We're looking for folks who obviously have some sort of technical capacity or background. So individuals who might be studying computer science, data science, design, but ultimately you don't have to have a particular major. We've had folks who have majored in things like music and physics and English and have all done really incredible work for our partners. So again, might be a frustrating answer that there is no perfect or ideal attribute that we're looking for. But I also think that's something that's really special about our program is that we try not to limit who can or can't apply. What challenges can fellows anticipate to face while being fellows working in the federal, state, or local government, especially if it is their first time working in government? Yeah, you all can probably talk to this even better than I can. But I think a few of the challenges that folks bring up time and time again is one, just the work environment is very, very different than the private sector. Folks who are in public service are wonderful individuals. They have, many of them have dedicated their entire careers to serving uh, the public. But what I will say is that many agencies are lacking technical knowledge. And so that can be frustrating, certainly for a student who's used to working at somewhere like a big tech company or a startup where everyone around them is technical to some capacity. The government is not like that. You might have a handful of folks who are technical or understand the work you're doing, but many folks have expertise in other areas like healthcare or economics, other areas that are certainly, again, very important to keeping our government running, but aren't necessarily technical fields. So I think that's something that gets lost in translation a bit with students when they first start the program. They have to get a real understanding for learning how to communicate and operate in an environment that isn't just filled with other people who share the same exact knowledge that they do, but instead learning how to communicate across different subject matters and also learning from people from other subject matters. I think also the speed of the work can sometimes be frustrating for folks. I won't lie. I, I don't think this is something that isn't obvious, but government can be bureaucratic at times, for sure. It can be much slower than you want it to be, for sure. And I am not trying to cover that up by any means. But what I think is really special is that uh, folks can really make a big difference in 10 weeks. It's a lot of work. You have to do a lot of uh again, communicating, trying to liaise with a variety of individuals, but the impact that can happen is really outsized compared to other internships. So there might be some learning curves in regards to kind of the work environment and um, learning how to work with other folks, but I also think those skills are really transferable to any job that you'll hold for the rest of your life, um, and they're important skills to learn as a professional as well. 
Yeah, and I think a lot of those skills that I learned in coding it forward and a lot of the people that I think I got to work with and the projects that I got to work on in coding it forward versus like big tech were so much more transferable to the jobs that I have right now and the jobs that I've had over the past year. And also, you know, in terms of like the reaps and benefits that I've been able to have because of coding it forward, you know, from hosting things civic to working at column, which is a job that I absolutely love, you know, utilizing technology and the public notice and local journalism space. I don't think I would have, you know, been able to go down that route if it wasn't for coding it forward, because it did give me that opportunity to, you know, collaborate with a whole wide array of people who are not just, you know, so technical, but also just had a wide variety of diverse perspectives and backgrounds and interests and life experiences to get to where they were today. And kind of building on that a little bit, one major aspect of the civic tech and public interest tech spaces that I personally enjoy is how important community building is whether that is within an organization itself or between networks of people solving vastly different yet important problems in our society. Rachel, how does Coding It Forward build community between fellows and other members of the civic tech and public interest tech communities before, during, and after the fellowship? I think this is probably one of my favorite parts of our programs is the community building. Before the pandemic, we were obviously able to do a lot more in person and really got involved with folks on the ground. But what we're doing right now in regards to community building is when an individual joins our cohort, they're added to our Slack community. And we have a wide variety of channels in our Slack for folks that are interested in talking about things like books and movies or pop culture or sharing news articles or celebrating each other's accomplishments. It's a really wonderful way for us to be able to connect asynchronously and synchronously and be able to connect across state lines and across the country. We also offer a variety of virtual programming events, which I love doing. It's really fun to see everyone's personality shine. We've also done a virtual escape room that two of our alumni designed, Maria and Vinesh. And they've actually hosted it for the last few cohorts to learn about tech ethics through a virtual escape room, which is super odd and not two things I would have even thought to combine. But I also think that's the magic of our community is that we have people who thought to do that. And it's just been such an amazing eye-opening experience for lots of folks. And then we also offer some opportunities for folks to connect one-on-ones. We use a tool on Slack where Folks get paired for coffee chats and really get to learn about each other in a more intimate setting. And then we also have some opportunities for folks to kind of work, uh, again, synchronously, kind of over Zoom. So we're always thinking of new ways to, to do community building. Unfortunately, I wish we could go back to some of our old traditions, like we used to do a 4th of July barbecue in D.C., which was always super fun. And we used to be able to go and do a lot more kind of in-person dinners and events of that nature. but. We're doing our best and we're always open to new ideas if fellows have them as well. I think as this podcast can attest, obviously you all have stayed in touch, but I've heard from so many folks about hangouts that they've been able to do safely in person or continuous kind of Zoom nights that they've had together and just a lot of amazing relationships that have been built throughout this program. And the community doesn't go away. It, it really stays with you for as long as you want to engage in it. I heard from, and I'm not making this up, I heard from two different people a few days ago that they both got jobs because I posted them in our alumni community. And that happens pretty much every week, if not every other week, where someone says, hey, is Coding It Forward connecting me with this individual? And 
I got a job or I made a new friend or I met my roommate through you. It's really amazing to see, even though we can't be in person together right now, that these bonds are still forming. And I think that's because folks who are really passionate about public interest technology are really enthusiastic and really want to engage with our community. And it's just really special to see the relationships that have come out of it. I just want to pitch you a scenario. Uh, let's say I'm a college student who has received multiple tech internship offers for the summer, uh, say at a fang company, uh, maybe a bank, a consulting firm, and uh, a Cody Afford internship. So what is your pitch to me for choosing CIF over those other prospective offers? I think for me, it's really the impact that you can make as part of one of our programs. We will never put you on a project that's something like, hey, fix this button or this interface or make this thing work 1% faster. For us, it's not about making money or driving clicks. It's really about making government work better for the people that it serves. And I think our fellows have been able to have outsized impact on the agencies and host offices that they work with. This past summer, two of our fellows in the city of Los Angeles worked on the second ever equity analysis of the city of Los Angeles's procurement. And what essentially that means is the city contracts with different companies and they were figuring out whether or not the city worked with small businesses, diverse business owners, et cetera, so that the procurement opportunities were reflective of the city's population. And that was the first analysis to happen in two decades which is really important work, but unfortunately the city didn't have the bandwidth to do it before our fellows came on board. We've also had folks who have worked on things like machine learning algorithms. Uh, for example, Christian Muscardi, who actually now works full-time at the U.S. Census Bureau, when he was a fellow, he was working on something called the Commodity Flow Survey, which is a really important economic and business survey to essentially understand the flow of goods and services in the United States. And as a business, when you fill out this survey, you have to indicate what is called your NAICS code, essentially determining what industry you're in. And this is really important survey information, but unfortunately, not many businesses know their NAICS code, and it's actually somewhat difficult to kind of figure it out for folks. So what Christian did was he was able to essentially use the information that was in the rest of their survey to help accurately predict what a business's or organization's NAICS code would be. And it turns out that his work saved the Census Bureau that summer, something like $2 million in taxpayer funds and several months of work that would have had to been done by hand by individuals. And it freed up folks to be able to focus on other work, not to say that this wasn't important, but it was something that could have been easily automated, which is what Christian did. And it's actually expanded into other use cases at the Bureau and some other agencies as well. So I think what's really fantastic and amazing about a program like this is the impact that you can have. I hear from our fellows time and time again that, wow, I can't believe I accomplished this in 10 weeks. And wow, I can't believe I'm serving thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of people with the work that I'm doing. But that's the reality of working in government. You have an impact with every action that you take. Whereas working in the private sector, I know tons of our alumni who have done that, but the impact is a little bit different. It's about 
driving revenue or driving customers, which is equally important to those businesses. But I think if you're really looking to do something for the public, then this fellowship is an awesome opportunity for you. Obviously, this program provides students a chance to provide a meaningful impact and solve real-world real important problems within government. And I think that's an important pitch. But unfortunately, like all these things have to come to an end. So I guess my follow-up question to that is, uh, after the fellowship, what do alumni do? Where do they end up going? Other than um, obviously starting their own civic tech podcast. <laughs> Lots of things is my answer. We kind of break it down into four key categories. The first is government. We've actually had several individuals who have stayed on with their agencies or who have started work at a different agency. We also have a ton of alumni who work in what we broadly define as social impact, which could mean something like a public benefit corporation, a nonprofit, an academic think tank, a policy think tank, Anything really kind of in that field of work uh, or line of work is something we categorize as social impact. We also have quite a few alumni who will go into grad school right after the program, use the fellowship as an opportunity between their undergraduate and graduate careers to do something impactful. And then we also have quite a few folks who do go into the private sector with the intention of coming back into public service later in their careers. What I will say is, unfortunately, the reality of the current public interest landscape is that there are very few early career opportunities still, and that's something our team is actively trying to fix every day. But I also understand that many of our alumni kind of have the seed of public interest planted when they go into a program like Coding It Forward, and then that blossoms over their career. So I've heard from many folks who have spent two, three years going into the private sector and then said, hey, Rachel, I found this really great kind of mid-career engineering opportunity or, uh, you know, manager role or something else in the public sector that they're then qualified for after having several years of experience. So it's really fantastic for me to be able to see after just a few years, we've only been in existence for about five years most of our alumni are trending towards public interest careers. There's definitely been a renewed interest or new interest in early career technologists. When we first started this work, almost no one was talking about how to expand pipelines or talent opportunities for early career technologists. And now there's lots of different fellowships, apprenticeships, and other opportunities that have been popping up in this ecosystem. For instance, I think about organizations like Skylight and Nava, both of which offer apprenticeship opportunities, which some of our fellows have actually gone on to do. I think about the U.S. Digital Corps, which was inspired by Coding It Forward and was actually modeled after our programs, which is now a nationwide two-year fellowship that the Biden administration recently launched. And I think about all the other kind of opportunities that have come up one by one, organizations like Column and organizations that are focused on doing this public interest tech work have really started to spring up in the last few years because I think the movement towards building a more equitable society 
when it comes to technology has really caught on. I'm excited to see where that goes. Unfortunately, right now, the opportunities are still slim, but I have hope and I know there are a lot of determined folks who are working to bring more and more early career technologists into this space. So Rachel, we've talked about the origins of Coding Forward. We've talked about what you all are currently doing. We've talked about even those amazing organizations that have inspired or sprung up because of Coding Forward, but we want to know what do you see in the future for Coding It Forward? I think in the future, we'd love to create opportunities for any early career technologist that is interested in doing work in the public interest. And what I mean by that is Right now, we have to reject applicants because we unfortunately don't have enough positions available. And it's still really hard, like we've said, to find a role in the public interest technology space if you're an early career technologist. So right now, we're focused on expanding our programs as much as we possibly can so that we can accommodate more and more participants each and every year. And we're also looking to build new programs. I'm excited to share, we'll very soon be officially announcing a broadband and digital equity focused fellowship program. And we're also looking to expand into longer term fellowships for recent graduates and folks looking for full-time employment. We have a lot of exciting ideas for 2022 and we're really looking forward to being able to build more opportunities and pathways. All right, Rachel, last question, kind of tying all of this together. What does thinking civic as a concept mean to you? For me, thinking civic means thinking about your community, the civic sphere that upholds you, individuals like your neighbors and individuals that make your life possible from thinking about your garbage men and thinking about your electric workers, and any sort of other individuals who make your day-to-day life easier. How can you help contribute to the society that they uphold? How can you be a better neighbor, a better community member, and help individuals access their everyday needs that they require to, to be a human? So thinking civic to me is probably a local answer, I guess, when I I say that out loud, really thinking about what you can do to be a better citizen and community member in your day-to-day life, not just thinking in the broader term, but also those micro actions and those micro details that happen all around us every single day that are upheld by um, our, our civic society. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast, Rachel. That was an excellent answer about how you think civic. And this is honestly just a great episode for both Evan and I and Chizo as well, because, you know, we all met doing Coding It Forward. And now as we start our second season of Think Civic, we're coming back full circle and interviewing you about Coding It Forward. It was just truly an awesome experience. So thank you again. Thanks so much for having me. And it truly delights me that you all are doing this podcast and that you're putting it forward. And I can't wait to listen to the rest of season two.
Thank you all for listening to our season two premiere episode of Think Civic with Rachel Nadell and Coding It Forward. Evan Chizo and I are truly thankful for all the support that y'all have given us over the past year when this is just a little podcast by two guys in between jobs and now we've had some a really amazing guests from the civic tech and public interest tech spaces. We're looking forward to generating a lot more episodes and content over the next few months so stay tuned and stay subscribed. Talk to y'all soon.